There were no holidays on the island. Just, every day was, how do I stay alive? And to do that, you had to forget things like Christmas. My dad threw a party every year and he would put a Christmas tree in every room. The whole mansion smelled like, it smelled like Christmas. Welcome to the Yuletide TV Podcast, the podcast where we watch and review a random Christmas episode to determine whether or not it's a Christmas classic. I'm Chris, and hanging on tight as this holiday sled picks up some steam are my co-host Brian. Hey, how's it going? And John. Hello, Chris. You have not failed this podcast. <laughs> Continue with your life. Oh, I ha- I haven't failed it. Oh, okay, that's good. That is. Yeah, no, that's real good. That guy's uh, gonna kill you. Let me tell you, if we got to episode eighteen and people were like, "You're failing this," <laughs> I'd be like, Ooh. "Well, it's too late because we're already committed." Right, eighteen <laughs> episodes in, you can't you can't just pull the ripcord on this. You've gone past the halfway point. There's no going back. It's like Skid Row. It's 18 in life. We've been stuck in this podcast for 18 episodes. <laughs> I forget how the intro goes already. <laughs> it's 18, man. Our podcast is an adult podcast. Fucks. <laughs> yeah, this podcast fucks. No, hold on a second. This podcast has the ability to fuck. No, this podcast fucks. It's just fucking out there. Just going after lesser Christmas pod. Yeah, just any holiday podcast. It's it's going for it. It's got a lot of confidence. <laughs> it's the opposite of us in college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. (laughs) Funny, because it's true. (laughs) Yeah. We've relived college and dorm life. Now we're reliving our vigilante fantasies. (laughs) Different episodes, John. Everyone. You gotta separate They all blend together, man. Everyone's Batman. (laughs) Everyone's always Batman. Brian, I don't know how many times you need to tell you just because you went around college at night in a mask doesn't make you a vigilante. Why not? <laughs> That's what all other vigilantes have done. And it's what they will continue to do. That's how they all got their start. Christian Bale hanging off fire escapes outside of Gotham PD in Batman Begins. And, you know... Um... You're missing, like, a lot of Batman Begins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a part of Batman Begins. He just put on a babaclava. You're missing a whole bunch of, like, Taiwanese prison fights. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, is that every superhero's origin story? The Taiwanese prison fights? No. So I it mean, doesn't have to be mine. It, legitimately, this episode has a Chinese Chinese prison fights. To a degree. Oh, this, Chinese yeah, bow and arrow. Yeah, yeah, okay. I just don't get why you're not yes-anding me, John. I don't, Play with me I, in the space, John. I don't believe in improv. <laughs> oh, no. What? John doesn't believe in two things, Santa Claus and improv. <laughs> and Christmas isn't going to change either of those. And he's all out of Christmas. <laughs> There's a third Chris, myself. Oh, uh, 
All right, Chris, tell me about Batman. I'll, we'll eventually we'll get we'll get to Batman, but I mean, hey, this is the first of our final three episodes, which means there are only a few days left until Christmas, and uh, I'm sure we're all feeling that Christmas crunch. Sadly, not the cereal, but just how are you two doing? You guys, you guys hanging in there? Are we? Are we feeling good about this podcast? Are we feeling good about what Christmas is going to bring for us this holiday season? I'm feeling quite confident that this podcast will not affect Santa's view of me. And I will therefore stay in the purgatory list between naughty and nice. I mean, I can binge drink whether or not I have a podcast. So, (laughs) status quo. (laughs) What are we binge drinking? Some nice holiday ales? Oh, God. The uh, Sam Adams variety pack. I usually bring, like, really hipster beer to family Christmas because, like, Green Bay has some nice breweries and they're, like, local to me. I can get some, bring some, like, rocket fuel for my for my uncles who aren't used to drinking, like, 12% beers and just get them plastered. Drink some good old OGs. <laughs> some, uh, well, probably probably not a Walloon Wit beer. Might, might get a Greller from Badger State. Shouts out to Badger State. Nice. Yeah. I like to grab the stouts. The stouts are usually my go-to. It's a good Christmas beer, you know, especially if you grab the right one. It's got a little, like, spice to it uh, or vanilla. Something barrel-aged is always nice, too, because it's a little mm. bit more oh, yeah. expensive, you know. So if you want to treat someone to a real real Christmas uh, uh, experience, then, yeah, you know, you spend a little more money on them. Dude, I can't, I can't chug stouts. <laughs> Not with that attitude. <laughs> I mean, I can. When it gets full, I get a full tummy. I I believe I've said it once, and I'll say it again. A a good boozy stout on the holidays, on a cold winter's night, is is just real nice to just hang out and sip on, and just get that high ABV warming your bones. Watch that Netflix fire crackle. Oh, that's right, the fire crackle. Well, we're doing good. We hope you guys are doing good. We're gonna talk about what we watched this week. Uh, As a reminder. We only have two rules. We're sticking to them till the very end about what gets covered on this podcast. And one is that the episode must have at least a tangential connection to Christmas. And two, it's got to be relatively easy to stream. So today, the episode selector has gifted us with... Year's End from Arrow, which originally aired on December 12th, 2012 and is the ninth episode of the first season. And you can find it on Netflix if you'd like to watch it for yourself. Well, that's just a real nice date there, isn't it, huh? 12-12-2012? It's never going to get better than that. Never going to get better than that. We'll have to, maybe maybe next season we'll find some other ones that uh, also aired on that date. But uh, until that time, we will talk through this episode because... If you haven't had a chance to watch it for yourself, we'll give you a little recap. Do you think 12-12-12-12 was a banger? A banger of a day? Yeah, do you think people had a good time that day? Do you think a great holiday play about Batman came out? All right, that, that bit didn't work. No? <laughs> <laughs> what? For a man who doesn't believe in improv, you sure wanted us to do a lot of yes anding there. Nope. <laughs> I thought 12, 12, 12, 12 was probably pretty fun. Probably better than 2012. But fuck. Fuck! All right. Fucking continue the show. <laughs> All right. So, here we go with what happened in this episode. 
As Christmas nears in Star City, a copycat vigilante is killing previous victims of the Hood's intimidation tactics. As Oliver begins his investigations, he comes to realize that his family has not celebrated Christmas since he and his father disappeared. He takes on two missions, to take down the Dark Archer and throw his family a kick-ass Christmas party. Hey. With help from Felicity and Sergeant Lance, he tracks down the archer, but finds a bomb instead, narrowly escaping to make it back in time for this party. However, his family isn't too into the holiday spirit, and the Dark Archer takes hostages at the warehouse, calling out the Hood to come save them. Oliver abandons the party, rescues the hostages, but gets the absolute shit kicked out of him by the Dark Archer. A Hail Mary move disables the Dark Archer and gives Oliver a chance to escape with severe injuries. He wakes up at the hospital and shares a warm moment with his family before we get some big reveals and plot set up to carry us into the second half of the season. So, I wanted to start this discussion by saying that I think all the flashback stuff is pretty useless and we can probably ignore all of it, right? Yeah, it's like comfortably makes this show, it makes the show go from like, I think uh, from where I'd be like pretty fine with it to like not liking it because <laughs> it's just, it's just bad. It's bad and doesn't make sense. I don't know. It doesn't work for me, man. Yeah, the the flashback stuff has always been a problem for, for Arrow and, and this episode, I, I have to admit, I was expecting it to be a lot worse than it was. Like, I feel like for the most part, I could just kind of zone out during those parts and there weren't I think there are only three times that it flashes back in this episode so I was able to look over a lot of it just because it was so inconsequential to anything that was happening but um, it really is just a lot of filler in in a 40 minute episode a little bit of hot slate action in there a little bit a little, little baby bit no that's not even that's not even Manu Bennett is it I don't believe so. I think they do like a weird retcon later where they're like, oh, no, that's a different guy. And uh, right. the real Deathstroke evolves more in the second season. But this guy is like a proto Deathstroke. Right. It's like his. I thought it retconned it like it was his brother or something. Yeah, I, I don't remember enough. I mean, that was that was the other problem with this episode. You know, we, we we've we've talked intermittently through this podcast about you know, how accessible an episode is. And, you know, for someone who's watched this before, you know, I, I jumped in pretty easily, but this was probably one of the least helpful previously ons we've had in comparison to other dramas that have given us that option in shows that we've watched this year. I mean, I'll be honest, I skipped it entirely. And uh, it, it's still, you know, somebody once described Arrow to me as uh, uh, you could watch it without the audio because it's just action action attractive people talk to one another i disagree with you action action resolution and uh it still still holds up the previous on is the like most schizophrenic previous on ever (laughs) it's like you get like a quarter second of like everything that's been going on so you just have no fucking idea (laughs) and it's 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 but it's so bad to use it's just it's tough too because you get the previously on but then again i don't exactly remember what the order was but in arrow they always like the episode doesn't have a theme song but it has like a mantra at in front of every episode which is a summary of the story being that like okay 
he was on an island for a number of years, he got rescued, and now he's trying to save the city. Okay, great. But then you actually get the previously on part, and it goes into the details that are supposed to be helpful, but you're like, I don't, this this doesn't make any sense. Like, how how am I supposed to follow any of this? It sounds like to me that, like, yeah, the uh, previously on had absolutely zero connection to the episode in itself. It it did, but I, I guess I'm more just talking about with when you compare it to other episodes we've watched this season. Like, we talked about Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars had a super long previously on, but it was really helpful to, like, really get your bearings onto where the rest of that episode went. ER, not a great episode, but I think I would have, as much as we didn't like that episode, that previously on at least gave a little bit of context to piece together what was happening. This was just like, again, you you understand the premise of the show, but when I believe the episode starts with that, the this guy getting murdered, and then all of a sudden you have the detective coming in a little bit later and being like, oh yeah, the hood you know, intimidated this guy into giving back the money he embezzled. And, you know, you're like, okay, but like the, the dark archer is supposed to be the big bad, but you wouldn't necessarily know who he is or why he's important right off the bat based on the previously on. Wasn't this the first episode with the dark archer? I don't think so. I think he's a, I think he appeared another, this is because this was the big reveal as to who he actually was, right. which was Malcolm Merlin. And I think he has appeared intermittently up to that point of this season. But I don't think, again, you wouldn't know that, though, if you were going into this episode cold. All I know is he's a top shelf archer. By the way, John Bowerman, amazing actor. You know, Brian, you talked a little bit about the action part of that. And that's one thing I think Arrow has always done well on a, on a TV scale that they do like the hand to hand combat. They do the best they can with the budget they have available to them. And I think that kind of hallway arrow shootout at the end of the episode was pulled off kind of neatly, uh, even if it's a little, a little silly. It also makes it gives me the false sense of security that arrows are really easy to dodge <laughs> when I know they're not. But that show makes it look so easy. Like, oh hey, let's add it to the Patreon, okay? If you donate. <laughs> $10,000, we'll shoot arrows at one another. <laughs> I don't think there's a way to make a bow and arrow fight cool via fight choreography. Because, like, just, like, the way you have to maneuver to, like, do it is dorky. Like, inherently, it's dorky to, like, splay out like that. It, like, doesn't lend itself to looking neat, like, aesthetically. So, like, I mean, whatever. They did it. It worked. It was fine. Every hallway fight in Daredevil is better. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, Ben Affleck really nailed down the stunt choreography for it, didn't he? <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I should, we're now transitioning to Ben Affleck as the, uh, the hero of the town. America's sweetheart, Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> Can't, can't escape those town actors. They just keep popping up. No, you can't. You really shouldn't try either. I'm really waiting for the day we get the guy who plays Gloin to be like our, our new favorite for some fucking reason. Gloin? He's the fat, the fat boy who drives. 
Oh, yeah. Boinsy. You guys and your town deep cuts, I just can't keep up, ever. It's just, well, I just, I've only seen the movie once, and you guys just are just town fanatics. Townies. We call ourselves townies. I guess we'll see you on the other side. Yeah. Townies. Slash, yeah. are the, slash are the town. Townies. So let's 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 kind of break this break this down to basics. Like, what were what were the things you we, we've talked a little bit about this, but like, what did you like about this episode, and what did we dislike about this episode? General quality of the acting was pretty good. I think Steve Abel is a charming man, and the girl who played Emmy did a as good as she could. I didn't like the writing or the general plot. <laughs> I think it was really easy to point out who wasn't a reoccurring character, i.e. a Canadian actor they picked up in Vancouver, like the police captain, or the one bad guy who got an arrow in his back, the R&D guy, or uh, the idiot boyfriend. I also dug every one-liner that was supposed to sound cool, but just sounded hilarious. <laughs> that that kind of made the show for me can you deliver a few of those please sean he's a quality archer <laughs> that was pretty funny <laughs> um i'm trying to remember the other good ones I, that one like just sticks in my head because like it you said something earlier that like re-triggered it because i just remember like watching it at work and just having the yuck face for like five minutes and it's like there's nothing that... what does every archer want to know to find out who's better. Yeah, that's that yeah, was pretty that was, <laughs> Every motherfucker in the woods with a bow, deer hunting, is shooting at each other. <laughs> like the reason all these lines sound dorky as fuck is like the core concept of the of the show and like what it deviates from like the comic book character of like it has zero humor. It's pretend Batman. A lot of shit in Batman sounds corny, but it gets covered by being a three hour movie. <laughs> so like. Arrow has, like, no sense of, like, fun to it to me. It's just, like, here's a fight scene. Isn't that a fight scene? How about that? <laughs> like. Don't you like this fight scene? Oh, he's got he's to gotta run from an explosion. Better cause an explosion before the explosion so he can get away from the explosion. Double explosions. Here's the thing for me is that as someone who's stuck with this show a lot longer than I probably should have, which was, I think I stopped watching maybe somewhere around the middle of season five. Uh, this episode is actually like a lot lighter than the show becomes. It was really interesting for me to watch because like Stephen Amell is smiling and having fun and just the entire premise that like he wanted to like balancing his life away from his vigilantism to be like, I need to throw my family a Christmas party. Oh boy. Like it was just so novel to me that like they were still trying to, I don't know. There was this, this idea that it was going to be a more realistic show in some way. And even though it's not because you still have these guys screwing around, shooting arrows at each other, there, there is something just a little more human and relatable to what it eventually became. And I think you see that too between things like, you know, Oliver and Diggle's interaction, where the cast was so much smaller and the stories were a little more segmented. So you get these nice, rich interactions between people that aren't as serious and are a little more casual than what the show became, which is, as you're saying, John, like just very dour and serious and and not that much fun 
I didn't think this was super, super fun. I think he took himself, like... And then maybe it could just be, like, playing to the actor's strength and stuff, but, like, it didn't seem like, like, Oliver Queen was, like, fucking out here hucking jokes, even if he's concerned with, like, the social state of his city. Like, he's, he just felt like he was, like, no, I must make up for what I've done! Like, which is part of the character, but it's not, like, the exclusive part of the character. To, to me, with the Green Arrow stuff. So it just felt like, and especially like when knowing when the show came out, all it was, all the show reads to me is like, Batman. Yeah, and that yes. that is, <laughs> it, it very much was a criticism of that first season and first couple seasons, really, is that it follows the Nolan Batman template almost to a T in a lot of ways, um, sometimes to its detriment. But I think there is like some fun stuff in here. I I thought there were two really funny lines that I liked that both happened around the Christmas party. One was with uh, Thea's boyfriend and he introduces himself to Oliver and he goes, Merry Christmas. How are you? And the guy goes proficient in firearms. I thought that was a funny line personally. That, that wasn't, that wasn't Oliver. That was, that was, Oh, that was Diggle probably. The police detective. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a frick. Man, that's what happens when you watch the episode too far in advance of recording the episode. Yeah, because that was Lance, wasn't it? And yeah, it was. Mer- no, Tommy that was, uh, yeah, that was Detective Lance to uh, Laurel's boyfriend, boyfriend, Tommy. Yeah. If we could just have a Paul Blackthorne appreciation moment, I think he's a great actor. I've loved him in everything I've seen him do. Uh, whether it's been Arrow or the Dresden Files. Uh, He was in a couple episodes of, I think, Bird Notice. And he's just a fun TV actor. He is a fun TV actor. I I liked him in this. I think he has better moments in this series than this episode gave him, which was like, Mm. I'm reluctantly going to work with the vigilante because there's a worse guy out there. But um, that was kind of one of my biggest problems (laughs) with this episode as a whole was that everyone is just real casual about all the murdering going on that Oliver is doing. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Everyone's just like, well, I mean, you got to crack a few eggs. Like, just everyone's default mentality is just, eh, he's had a tough five years. He's got to get out there. (laughs) I forgot he spent a good portion of the season one killing folks. Yeah, like, he kills a lot of people that first season, and you forget, like, and you, like, I remember that part of it, but, like, Diggle in particular was someone that I was like, man, how do we get to the point where Diggle was just, like, totally cool and, like, on board helping out with this program? I don't remember. You gotta have a social life, Oliver. It's not all about slinging arrows and killing bad guys. Diggle's a private military man, man. He's probably, he's ki- Killed, he's killed folks. He's fine with it. You know, no big deal. Yeah, that is true. He he does have that military background. He gets it. He does get yeah. it. I think the realism sometimes with like when they take like a comic book property and make it real hurts it because like, like no one would not be able to do this head math. <laughs> like like this is it's like the same thing that everyone like what everyone could do the batman head math it wouldn't be that hard like ah oh, yeah that billionaire that disappeared for 15 years to like east asia fighting people with ninjutsu oh like i think like i know the guy who could have the resources for that 
Like, motherfuckers bringing people arrows and, like, hey, can you tell me where this arrow came from? As, like, she's like, hey, I got a buddy who really likes archery. It's all about Christmas gift giving. I really like that. There was there was so much gift giving going on in this episode. You know, you got <laughs> Paul Blackthorne. There were literally two gifts. Well, you got Paul Blackthorne giving the hood the evidence, and you got uh, the Is arrow. That a gift, though? Is that yeah? That oh yeah, that's a gift. Obstruction of justice. That sounded like a threat. <laughs> like give it, you got. He got end, he six, certainly ended it with a threat. You got six seconds to find him, or I'm gonna actually kill you for real thing <laughs> like ugh. that sounded more like a threat i don't know after christmas i'm coming for one of you and i don't care who which is bad police my work. paul blackthorne is not a great that's a hard guy to do a voice of i like that they changed a lot of characters names to modernize them and then didn't change a lot of characters also just left some characters with the same name so you get this like disconnect of like certain names sound very like 2000 like 2010s and then other names next to them sound like they were from like the source material in the source material in the 70s that's fun that's a weird thing in this show (laughs) give us give us some examples like laurel and tammy like Mm. those are like remaining Mm -hmm. the same but then we have what's the it girl's name felicity felicity uh that's uh wendy (laughs) in like source so like just like like weird shifts that like i can never understand because i don't know anything about filmmaking i would guess it's probably too close to a different character's name but like where it's just like why the fuck are we changing like a first name for funsies but like leaving tommy adult guy tommy because they're buds because it's ollie and tommy do you do you not like adults named tommy no adult does that There are family members I have who, as a 30-year-old man, call me Johnny, and I do not appreciate them. (laughs) So, like, it just, there's no way to not sound like an 8-year-old when someone's saying your name like that. I don't let anyone call me Chrissy. That just, that shit just (laughs) does not fly. That, that sounds like you're getting bullied. Yeah, exactly. It's, (laughs) there's no good way for that to sound. Yeah, that's your superhero (laughs) origin story is getting bullied while called Chrissy. Tommy, Tommy did have my other favorite line of the night, which is when he comes to the Christmas party and it's him, Laurel, and Oliver talking, and Laurel asks for a minute, and he goes, I'll go grab us a drink, and drink both of them, <laughs> just as he walks away, hanging his head. Will it ever not be awkward between us? It's not awkward. <laughs> <laughs> awkward laughter. Awkward uh, laughter. <laughs> uh. See, that's what I kind of mean. That, like, these actors are, like, at least, like, they're probably above replacement level CW actors. And, like, this script <laughs> just doesn't help. Because, <laughs> like, you have to you have to deliver no. lines like that. And you're just like, please, no. Well, what's, what's Tommy been in since The Arrow? Let's look into that. I think, to the best of my knowledge, one of the Dick Wolf Chicago shows on NBC. Oh, yeah. Chicago PD and Chicago Med. Also, Chicago Fire. Well, yeah, because that's their own little Chicago universe over there. So he's... The Chicagoverse. Yeah. (laughs) What a shitty Uh, fucking city to base a show on. Fuck me. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) It's my favorite... It's my favorite joke in the uh, latest season of BoJack Horseman, which is... Uh, Pat Oswalt's penguin character lamenting about turns out nobody wanted to watch a whole night of shows based on Milwaukee. It's like, 
<laughs> oh, stings. Oh, Patton. Yeah, that would be a pretty depressing night of shows. <laughs> then you just see posters throughout the season of, like, different failed shows. It's like Milwaukee Post Office and Milwaukee Waste <laughs> Management and shit like that. There should be the Milwaukee, there should have been Milwaukee Public Health Office because I don't I'm sure if you've read if you're listening to this podcast unless you know us you probably haven't casually visited Milwaukee but there are some bizarre fucking public health ads in Milwaukee and they what, are what are they John um so Milwaukee has like a dumb like a like a outlier high level of like um co sleeping deaths of babies so like babies being like rolled over on and shit. Yeah, uh, so to counteract, it's it's because of poverty. It's because the city's poor, and there's not people don't have enough money for beds. It's not like Milwaukee's cursed or something. It's it's poor, and we need to help the city. But to counteract this and not confront the real problem of poverty, what the city did is put up posters of babies sleeping in cribs with like that are full of knives. To be like, this is as dangerous as sleeping with your child. What the fuck? Because Milwaukee is a hellscape. <laughs> yeah, you can Google them. They're there. They're dumb looking. Like, that's, oh, like, man. there's, like, yeah, any Milwaukee public health ad about, like, STIs or shit like that is, like, bonkers, crazy people town not addressing the real problem. So there should be Milwaukee Well, please hit us with just, some STIs. I can't remember those ads, but it's, like, also just basically ignoring the fact that people don't have access to stuff. I'm, I can, you can Google. I don't remember them that well. I haven't lived there in a couple of years. But, yeah, we'll yeah, put some Milwaukee. we'll put some on the social channels. You know that'll be that'll be good holiday spirit stuff. <laughs> Listen, man, sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I did want to go back to you know you guys have brought up the writing uh, a couple times, and I I thought the interesting thing with this episode was the Christmas element of it, which is clearly that is a clear choice that they made to include that. That's like clearly something they wanted to do. Because they didn't have to. They have this other ongoing storyline that they clearly needed to, you know, kind of wrap up or propel forward, depending on how you want to define it. And so I think that's part of why the writing suffers to a certain extent, because I don't think the juxtaposition of the ongoing story works with the B plot of the Christmas party being thrown too well. I think like Christmas is in general kind of a a work like a good setting for like comic book movie stuff. Usually pretty like I think that's like I know like there's been like a lot of dramatic Batman comics where they use like Christmas as a backdrop. I can't remember the one, but where that he strangles the Joker, like that kind of like works. You get some like, Dark Knight Returns. Juxtap- yeah, you get some like fun. Yeah, you get some fun juxtaposition to it and i think maybe they like wanted that for like the background settings of stuff but then they never used it when he was superheroing so i guess it just disconnects pretty hard yeah i i think that's a really good point i mean for some reason you know bringing that up like batman batman works at christmas for reasons i can't quite articulate and i think maybe part of the reason that this episode suffered is to what you're saying that they, they were so separate that you don't have him you know, the the Dark Archer didn't take those hostages in a mall on Christmas Eve or something. You know, like, there was probably some opportunities where they could have melded those two a little bit better than they were. Because, again, they're they're just so separate. You're not exactly getting whiplash. I feel like we got whiplash in, in some, some other episodes that we've watched a little bit worse than this. But 
again, it's just so separate. You're almost watching a different show. I feel like the Christmas episode here compared to Batman doesn't work as well is because Oliver Queen still has one of his parents alive. Whereas if his dad (laughs) and mom died in that boat crash, then we'd have a much broodier, authentic Christmas juxtaposition. Yeah, you're probably not wrong. I mean, I think that's kind of to what I was saying, that you have... He he's confined to the house, you know, where, you know, he's got to throw this family Christmas party in the house. So we don't get the uh, the vigilante side getting that Christmas experience, whereas Batman, you know, Gotham City, that is his family. So he, he would, you know, the, the Christmas stuff comes out a little bit more because the city atmosphere uh, has it dressed up that way. What what bugs me about him wanting to throw his family a party, other than being kind of cringy in the first place, uh, is that we don't see him planning the party at all. When he says he's going to plan all of it, and then a party happens, and in the back of my mind I thought, well, this son of a bitch just hired people to do it. He didn't live <laughs> up to his word. He failed that party. What? What do you well, mean? Brian, what, that's a, what do you that's think a he was central gonna... point of conflict for him. <laughs> What do you think he was going to do? Of course he paid people. I thought he was going to get on the phone. I thought he was going to plan a goddamn party. Would you have liked to see that in the episode? Is that how you would have liked to spend your 45 minutes? Is watching him make phone calls? Yeah, and be awkward about it because he's been on an island for five years and he doesn't actually know what's relevant anymore when it comes to a Christmas party. He's like, oh, yeah. Um, Could you imagine trying him trying to plan a party in the image of what he thought life was like five years previous and then have his family walk in and feel super awkward because like oh god you know should we tell him that we've all had our own lives for five years and that like none of this makes sense and yeah you goddamn right i'd watch that because that's good drama well here's the thing is i i really i really liked all the christmas stuff that was in here i liked all his like when he was you know there's a couple times you know he's talking to diggle about how he remembers the Christmas party. And that kind of gave me like, I could, I could picture that even if his comment about having a Christmas tree in every room seemed like a little bit of overkill. And then he's, you know, kind of talking to Thea about it. And then he gathers them all in the room and is like, I want to do this. And you, you get to the party and you see, it's kind of a letdown for, for everyone. Cause everyone's mind is, is somewhere else. But I, I really like that, that, element of this episode i thought it was a really good had some really good christmas feel to it but it it just was offset so much by the ongoing plot delivery and we'd all be distracted if our family was like part of an elaborate like globalist cult thing that usually ended in murder i'd be distracted at christmas if i was going to get murdered with a bow and arrow that's not how i want to go that sounds painful and I'm not even a sweet ninja like his mom. Like <laughs> you get you get shot with a gun, boom, bam, it's over. Someone's coming at you with an arrow. What are you gonna do with that? You gonna shoot an apple? You gonna stab me with it? You gonna make me a sandwich? <laughs> I I assume you have to like watch yourself get shot with an arrow. Like you see it pop through yourself. You're like ah! You have to like slowly bleed out. <laughs> That's just an inefficient way to die. It's not it's not cool, man. Just because you embezzled $6 billion, fuck. Whatever, man. 
<laughs> yeah, why isn't he dead? That's how you can tell he's a quality archer. <laughs> you got tight grouping, custom <laughs> arrows. I bet you he smells of mahogany. He gets his leather from from Cornith. Oh, Steve, Stephen Amell. Corinthian leather. Stephen Amell's got a great must. I don't even... You don't. You don't need to convince me. I mean, there's no way he doesn't. <laughs> oh, don't forget that pretentious British dude. Oh, you mean James Bond's best friend? Yeah. <laughs> Bloom, Bloomfield. Double O. Six nine. Which one was he? Is that who he is? It's it's he's double O six. Yeah, he was in he was in Brosnan. He was Brosnan's best buddy in in all his movies. What? Mm -hmm. That's where I predominantly know him from. I did I did recognize that. I actually couldn't exactly place where he was from, but I was like, I know this. I know this gentleman from something. And I just I went through a phase of watching a lot of BBC, so I thought it was that. But it is absolutely absolutely 006 <laughs> he's i mean he's been in he's a pretty prolific character actor like he's been in a ton of shit tv wise and and film wise i think so if you watch a lot of bbc you probably did see him in something there too i don't want to speak out of, i don't want to guess wrong but maybe luther i don't know i can check maybe i know i i there was this uh there was this uh bbc detective series i was watching that was like kind of lighthearted but it involves someone getting murdered every episode called uh uh what is it called death on a holiday death on holiday something like that and he he was one of the murderers in one of the episodes which is kind of a spoiler but whatever yeah fuck it no one's gonna watch these things we talk about yeah extra stuff I do want to say one more thing about the Christmas party, which is that we did have a fun little Yuletide TV crossover during it, which is, if you listen closely, the music playing at the Christmas party is actually from Zoe Deschanel's She and Him Christmas album, which we discussed during our New Girl episode. So that was kind of fun. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. Who do you, who, what CW show do you, that we watched, do you think had better acting <laughs> and I guess more importantly, because it's a CW show, hotter dudes. <laughs> Wait, what are we? What are our options here? This and what? Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls. Veronica, Mar- oh, Veronica, Veronica Mars. Oh, right. That's a CW show. Oh. Well, Veronica Mars was technically UPN, and Gilmore Girls, I think, only had one season on the CW. Well, now the question is, do we count the WB? Well, right. I know it's tricky with these network mergers. I think you count Veronica Mars. Because this is the same fucking family of shows, to a degree. Well, it's all Warner <laughs> this is Brothers. just angsty teens. Yeah. Which is why they can't make anything good. <laughs> I mean, if we're comparing this to Veronica Mars, which had hotter dudes, I'd, I'd say this, because I just find, I think Stephen Amell's a very attractive man. I think he's probably a real good guy, but I do not like his personality. Yeah, Brian really has something against Stephen Amell for reasons I've never really just, been able to understand. Just not a fan. I watched an awkward interview he had with Seth Meyers where the start of the interview is Seth like, so yeah, your fans forced me to have you on my show. Well, that sounds more like Seth's problem than Stephen Amell's. Yeah, that's a weird way to attack an interview. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a weird way to get on a late night show. Yeah, he's an incredibly giving promoter, or an incredibly giving performer when he was uh, doing professional wrestling stuff. 
Like, that dude had... I fully thought he was going to do what every, like, pseudo-famous person does in, when they do, like, a wrestling thing and just, like, I get to beat somebody up. But, like, he... I If I remember right, he lost and also let the guy get... Just beat the fuck out of him. So, like... I mean, seems like he's committed to a good performance. Yeah, and when he did SummerSlam, he was, like, going off the top rope. He, like, he like had bruises, like, that he was showing off on social media the next day because he's like, oh, yeah, some of that didn't go quite as planned. <laughs> yeah, when he wrestled Christopher Daniels, fucker went through a table. He bled. He bled, Brian. Yeah. He bled for art. When have you bled for art? When have you yes-anded blood, Brian? Let me, let me reiterate, <laughs> all right? Probably a great guy don't like his personality (laughs) all right that's it that's it i'm not saying he's a bad guy i'm not saying he's got a shit personality i just don't like it (laughs) well wait what does that mean i'm gonna get archered so set set you're gonna strangle me with a slightly darker black turtleneck sweater no he's gonna shoot you with a real tight grouping (laughs) <laughs> in the words of a uh, another show we watched for this podcast uh i think you're more likely to get arrowed teen girl squad no okay there you go uh no no not my cup of tea growing up oh yeah you guys don't know you guys didn't nope like that home star shit okay i think we can uh jump to our final judgments on this episode i think we we've, we've talked this one through well enough and uh are we going to call this one a christmas classic a pair of socks or a lump of coal someone take us away i'm gonna say it's a pair of socks where i might not watch it every year uh like a christmas classic uh but you know if i'm wrapping christmas presents and i need to put something on the tv why not this because other shows exist uh it's a lump of coal man (laughs) it's the it's the same thing that happens with most warner brother intellectual property where like they want to make something good they have success with something they don't understand the source of that success and then continue guessing wrong at what the source of that success was for like years at times so this is like batman and then they just kept like just making all their intellectual property. Batman, fucking read a run of Arrow comics or of Green Arrow comics if you want something that isn't but and has a little more like soul. Arrow has one of my favorite villain comic villain names, which is Onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia is a great villain name, even if I don't totally understand his set of powers. DC has inconsistently incredible villains. Like they just they just like names that are like one fancy sounding word and then getting what that word is wrong. Like Amygdala <laughs> is a, a villain who's like based on he doesn't have that part of the brain. He can't regulate emotions. That's not what that part of the brain does. He would just be sleepy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see that villain. <laughs> I'd be curious. <laughs> yeah. He's like cal- I guess calendar man level of danger. Um. <laughs> Coyote, get the alarm. Uh, Bruiser, shut those people. <laughs> he can't regulate his hormones right. <laughs> I am going to call this a a pair of socks as well. I'm I'm actually even going to go on a higher 
higher end pair of socks here. Uh, some nice knit like wool. tough socks. Maybe or like smart some smart wool, wool socks. Some smart wool socks. I, I I like this a lot more than I thought I would. And I, I can't exactly pin down why because it's it's not great, which which is preventing me from calling it a Christmas classic. I think I think you have a little too much. Um, you know, it's a little inaccessible. The the flashback stuff, as as easy it is to skip over, is still still there. And uh, again, we have another episode that kind of ends on a cliffhanger uh, to a certain extent, where we're just having to deal with them, you know, keeping people interested over an extended break. But I, I think there's just some fun Christmas stuff in there. I I like Stephen Amell. I I think he he carries the episode well. And I, I don't know. I just I got some good Christmas feels out of it. I, I like the Christmas stuff in it. Uh, the action is good enough. And I think to what Brian said, there's something the 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 mediocreness of some of this superhero television is sometimes its strength where you can just put it on and you know that if you're doing something else and you and you pop your head up and actually decide to watch it, uh, you're likely to get something somewhat enjoyable and entertaining out of it. So I think if you're again, as as Brian said it best, probably if you if you're doing something else to take that you need to take care of in these next couple of days leading up till Christmas, uh, this isn't a bad thing just to have it on the background and um, you know see some decent action along with some uh, nice holiday setting. I think it is the action that holds you. I think because uh, you know oh, okay. You know, our, uh, Oliver's trying to make a Christmas party and, and relive his past. Guess I'm going to go, you know, pack my presents this year. <laughs> oh, wait, fighting's going on? Well, I do like that part. I'm going to watch the fighting. It's good choreography. There's something to appreciate about good fight choreography. Yeah. You know, you do the Chris, you do your Christmas stuff while Oliver's doing his, and you take a break when, when he's taking a break to, to bring justice. The party blows, man. That's, that's not a positive Christmas party. <laughs> Have a positive Christmas. <laughs> Don't walk in on your little sister doing stuff and then get blown up. It's a tough <laughs> night. It's a tough <laughs> night for anybody. All right. Well, I think that concludes our chat about Arrow and the year's end. So who wants to know what we'll be covering for our penultimate episode? Okay. Well, come on and grab your friends as we watch The More You Mow, The More You Know from Adventure Time, which is available on Hulu. Let's be adults watching a show for children and unnecessarily nitpicking, a.k.a. we'll be the internet. (laughs) Let's be the internet. (laughs) Let's be the internet. Let's be the internet. Let's be the internet. Everybody, let's be... All right, never mind. (laughs) That good effort, though. Yeah, we tried. Glad you had fun. Uh, which, which is pretty much what you can say about most of this episode is that we tried. <laughs> yeah, I probably ruined this episode. My bad for talking about Milwaukee being sad. <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> hey. Sadly, that probably brought energy up. Hey, hey. <laughs> we all ruined it. Did, did, did CW, show, CW shows are a fucking... No... Yeah, we, we all got... <laughs> got together and just red rovered this bitch down cw shows are bad and hard to do this for because they're like at best and not intended for 30 year old men and like at worst <laughs> like so sterilized <laughs> just painfully sterilized to like avoid things being too fun 
Like, this show's for sure not for us. It's Like, I know it's a comic book show and we're fucking dinguses, but, like, it's for teenagers. It's whatever. It's cool. I'm sure they have fun. There's some pretty people to look at. It's for people who don't understand exactly what quality writing is just yet. So when you get lines, yeah, guys, 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 to figure we, already out talked, we already talked about the episode. We don't need to talk about the episode anymore. We're all, we're done. We're done. We're done. We're, we don't. We've said it. We've done. We're. I'm cutting us off. I'm cutting us off and talking about it. Fine. Fucking, find the plane. Fucking podcast dad here. Look at this. Look at this fucking podcast dad out here. Fucking Jesus Christ. Just acting like. That's right. African that's right. I'm podcast dad, and I'm putting the podcast in. to bed. I'm putting this one to bed. So, <laughs> well, good night. Good night. I said good night. Go Rate, smoke. review, and subscribe. Go have a smoke and watch Clute. Jesus. Send us an email. Find us on the Instas, the Twitters, all that jazz. But we're done. We're arrowed. We're hitting the bullseye because we missed the mark. Other puns. It was a real tight grouping, and that's how you know it's a good podcast. <laughs> Yeah, our grouping was our grouping was so tight we just kept talking over each other the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Little off rhythm today. Don't worry, we got. We'll do better in two days. There's a lot of Christmas stuff happening. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, until next time. But not accurate. Our grouping was off the body. I'm gonna run away. It's just really hard sometimes when you're just not in the same room. And you're all trying to celebrate Christmas. Can we all just please yeah. get out of this? <laughs> just... <laughs> Podcast forever. Podcast forever. Okay. That was like I've been the Chris. Stone too. That's rad. I've I'm been Chris. Six seasons in a podcast. That's what I say. Six seasons in a podcast. <laughs> Ryan, uh, three, two, one. We both say our names at once. Uh, okay. Three, two, on one, one or right John. after one. J- Brian. Right. <laughs> Why did I almost say John? <laughs> We're glad you're still alive. <laughs> Slaybell sounds provided by Michael Koenig from SoundBible.com, and Joy to the World provided by FreeXmasMP3.com.